Welcome to the Business of Psychology podcast, the show that helps you to reach more people, help more people, and build the life you want to live by doing more than therapy. Are you just starting out in private practice? Feeling overwhelmed by all the stuff there is to do by any chance? Paralysed by perfectionism or procrastination? Never fear, Psychology Business School has got your back and the good news is there's actually not that much you need to do to run your practice safely and effectively. Download our free checklist today to find out exactly what really matters. Tick off every box and you can see your first clients with confidence that you've done everything important. Get your free copy at psychologybusinessschool.com forward slash checklist. Today I wanted to talk to you about two methods of productivity that I find really helpful running my practice and the reason I've decided to share this now is that a lot of people have been asking me how on earth I'm managing um, with my second Instagram account. So for anybody that hasn't been following my journey with it on social media, I have set up a new account called The Pregnancy Psychologist, which is all about pushing forward my work with severe pregnancy sickness and the mental health impact of that. Um, I've been meaning to do this for years. I've wanted to do this for a really long time, but I haven't had the headspace. It isn't something that I'm particularly using to promote my private practice, although if I do get clients from it, that would be brilliant because I love working one-on-one with people who are struggling in this uh, in this part of pregnancy but actually for me it's much more of what I would term an impact project it's something that I don't really mind if I don't get paid for it because I'm generating income in the other parts of of my work with psychology business school with my private clients with my coaching clients those are the activities that generate the profit that I then use to pay myself to do some stuff for free and that includes working with charities that are focused on this area. Um, It includes putting social media content out into the world and hopefully soon um, launching my new podcast, which is actually meant to be an intervention. It's, It's not a marketing podcast. It's not out there as a funnel. It's there to directly help people in their earbuds um, who are struggling with severe pregnancy sickness. I've been working on it for a while. Uh, Because it's a bit different to a normal podcast, I'm not going to hit go until I've got the entire intervention recorded. So it's unlikely to launch until January. But I'm using this Instagram account to provide people with direct support now because it's something I can do instantly. I can you know, share meditation tips, I can share kind of the framework of the intervention via social media and and hopefully start making a difference to people straight away. So that's why I've decided to do it now because I've got a little bit of profit that I can put into that. Um, 
But of course, I'm still only working, well, two and a half days, really, um, because I work two full length days and then one school length day. And I always say to my coaching clients and my students in psychology business school, if you're working school hours, that is not a full day. You can't expect yourself to achieve what other people do in nine to five when you're working 9.30 until 2.30. That's impossible. Um, So structuring my expectations, I've only really got two and a half days days to play with in my work and I'm doing a lot in that time but it is possible with organization um, and not just organization it's also about having gotten your other projects to the point where you can take something new on because you've got the systems in place that allow certain things to run with minimal input from you. So that's the first thing to say. If you're thinking about adding something new into your practice, the first thing you need to do is focus on your systems and processes with everything else. So I've spoken on this podcast before about my work with my assistant, Anna, who deals with all of my admin, my scheduling, my invoicing, um, responding to new inquiries, responding to DNAs, credit control, All of those processes, which I know take up a lot of time when you start in private practice, I don't do any of that anymore. um, And that frees up a lot of time and creativity for me. Also on the psychology business school, my online courses, uh, a lot of that technical stuff is handled by other people. So I have a lot of support with everything from uploading videos onto my website um, to, you know, helping me figure out when I should do stuff. And so for a lot of that side of my business, I'm only showing up and doing the bits that only I can do. And I think when you're starting out, when you're just setting up online courses for the first time, that's not usually how it is for you. So, you know, my youngest online course um, is actually two years old now. So all of those systems and processes have had time to bed in, they're working well. I've kept the same team for a long time. I've got the same person doing technical support. I've got the same person managing my community um, that I've had for the past couple of years. And so all of that is working quite smoothly in the background. So yes, I am doing a lot. I show up and I do my coaching sessions. I'm there teaching. I'm there doing the weekly coaching calls. But I'm not doing any of the admin associated with it so if you're looking at all of that and thinking how on earth has she got time to launch this new Instagram account it is partly because I'm not doing lots of the kind of technical stuff that goes with those things so that's the first thing to do if you're thinking about adding something new check that your systems and processes are running as efficiently as possible for everything that you're already doing Um, So have a look at who you could get to support you, any support you can bring in, and also have a look at apps like Zapier that can create automation for tasks that you might be doing right now. Um, I won't go into it right now, I'm not a sales rep for Zapier, but do go onto Zapier's website and check out what they can do for you, because just this month I discovered lots of stuff that can save me and my team time um, by using these zaps that integrate different apps together. It's amazing what they can do and so go and have a look at that and then once you're sure everything is as streamlined as possible and you've got a bit of time to play with in your week then you can think about adding something new 
in. Um, So what I'm going to share today are two strategies you can use to make sure that when you do add something new into your practice, you're able to do that in the most efficient way possible and maximise every moment that you have to spend on it. And the two ways of working I'm going to talk about today are batching and sprints. And I use these um, both in, in completely different ways. And you've probably heard of them both before, or you'll definitely have heard of batching before. You might not have heard of sprints. Um, but I, I don't think I've heard many people going into the kind of nitty gritty of how it looks. So certainly when I heard the word batching, I thought that meant I had to create everything up front and in advance, and that just doesn't work for my brain at all. I find that extremely boring, Um, because particularly people often talk about batching social media content, and I've heard some people saying that they will literally batch 90 days of social media graphics in one sitting, and that would make me want to die. Um, I can't stand, that sounds so boring. I mean, some people's brains might really like that. um, But to me, that would take me ages and it would, you know, I'm getting bored and backache just thinking about it. So that isn't the way that I do batching. I um, I have a a sort of year round system that I use for it. um, And that is the system that I've implemented for this new social media account that I'm, I'm running. It's also the one that I use with my normal social media for at Rosie Gildethorpe the one that hopefully if you like this podcast you are following and that's my Instagram where I talk to to you guys Um, I've been using this system for that account uh, and it's the same system that I'm using for the new account and it makes it possible because you do have to do a lot for your marketing you do have to do a lot um, to make social media worthwhile but it doesn't have to be something that you work on every single day and I think that's what batching gives you. Batching gives you that freedom to do other stuff in your working week rather than spending all day every day on social media. So I want to talk to you about batching and then when we finish talking about that I'll talk to you about sprints um, which are kind of an intensive way of solving a problem in your business um, which I think really allows creativity to, to flow. So okay batching, why you should do it. As I mentioned, batching is getting a lot of stuff done in one go, um, which allows you to get into a flow state with it and to really focus on the type of mindset you need to be in to do that task. So we know, don't we, that when we're multitasking, it sometimes takes us a long time to shift between tasks. Batching is where you switch off all distractions Um, And you just focus on doing one thing for a set period of time so that there's none of that wasted cognition and you're entirely in flow in that one task. And it can be really, really useful, but it can also be a little bit overwhelming, especially if you don't really like the task that you're asking yourself to do. Um, So I'm going to share my Uh, method for batching and how it works for me specifically relating to social media uh, in my business. So there are some things that I batch annually and one of those is my overarching marketing plans. So every year I will sit down and I will think what do I want to achieve this year? What are the projects that I'm hoping to work on this year? What are the dates I'm hoping to launch certain things? Um, What are the logical times when stuff that is happening all year round in my business 
probably needs a bit of a marketing push. So for example, you know, my private practice, I'm all year round doing that. I'm always offering therapy sessions. It's not like an online course where I might kind of launch it several times during the year. It's always there. But there are certain points during the year when it makes sense for me to do a bit of a marketing push. There are times of the year where I might recognise I often have a lull in referrals um, over the summer, for example. There are times in the year when people are often looking to work on their businesses. So it's a good time for networking. So September and January, January are good times to be out there expanding my professional network, which is a key part of my marketing strategy. There are also times of the year when my particular client group might need extra support or when the media might be more open to talking about my particular client group. So because I work in perinatal, it would make sense for me to be looking for media opportunities around um, pregnancy loss awareness month, for example. So I go through my year and I look for all of those key dates and times when I'm likely to want to do a marketing push for different areas of my business. And I get that all mapped out at the beginning of the year. Then I look at that marketing plan and think about what assets does this marketing plan require? So that could be everything from emails that I'm going to send to journalists pitching ideas, Um, to emails I'm going to send pitching myself as a podcast guest, to social media templates, to graphic templates, to, you know, video templates, because I even template my live videos, because if I don't have a template that says, introduce yourself at the beginning and say this stuff, um, and have a call to action at the end that says, you know, go to this podcast or go to this website for more information, I'll forget to do that. I'm actually pretty good at ad-libbing the kind of educational content part of a live video, because I tend to only talk about stuff that I'm thinking a lot about. Um, But I'm really rubbish at the top and tailing bit. So I will create templates for that. Um, So I, I look through and I think, what do I need a template for over the next year? And I'll have a batching session where I create all of those templates. So I'm not creating the actual content. I'm just creating the templates that are gonna make creating that content a bit easier. And that tends to be email templates, it tends to be social media templates, and it tends to be templates for videos and podcasts. Then quarterly, so every three months, I will batch podcast episodes um, for this podcast. Um, I'll batch blog posts for my um, perinatal website and also for um, Psychology Business School. And I batch quarterly my educational Instagram reels. And that's because I get somebody in to help me with that. So we will sit down together and create 10 reels in one sitting. Um, And that really helps me because those are the ones which I struggle to do week in and week out because they take me too long. I'm not very good at doing the kind of reels where you change camera angle frequently, where you have little stickers, you use trending audios, that kind of thing. I'm not good at it. So what I do is once a quarter, I sit down with somebody who is good at that stuff. I record with them the educational content and then they week by week put a trending audio behind it, put stickers, carve it up into like cool different angles and and things. And, And they basically make it look like a good reel. 
Um, so I've just provided the educational content, which is the bit that I'm good at. But because I'm working with them, that has to be batched quarterly. And that also works really well for me because it means I'm not dreading it week in, week out. It's kind of all done in one day. Then on a monthly basis, I batch my social media graphics. And that's because I only actually release one social media graphic a week. Um, so it works for my brain to do that all in one sitting, to make that really high quality, spend time researching it, thinking what do I really wanna say in this graphic and then creating those all in one go. Again, that means that I'm not trying to do it on the fly because I would dread that. If I was like every Monday, I've got to create a new graphic, I would really dread that because I'm not very good at it and it, you know, it doesn't play to my strength. So getting that all out of the way in a couple of hours once a month means that I don't have that Monday morning dread of having to, to do it on a Monday. So that works for me. Then on a weekly um, basis, I'll batch my social media video plans. So I deliver a lot of my social media videos live, but I always have a plan for the live that I'm doing. And I'll do that plan on a week by week basis. I don't like doing it monthly or quarterly because what I think my audience needs changes week by week according to what's going on in the world. So I think sometimes batching stuff like a, a video too far in advance can leave you a bit tone deaf. So that live video that I do every week on both my social media accounts, that's something that I will plan that week and then deliver kind of when it's in my schedule to, to deliver it. So I batch those plans weekly, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do that further in advance so that it's always relevant to what's going on in the world. I also, on a weekly basis, batch scheduling my posts. Um, so I have a, a graphic that goes out every week, I have the reel that goes out every week, um, and I also have a little graphic that promotes my podcast that goes out every week. Um, I, I think some people find this effortless, but I hate putting it into the scheduler for it to go out at the right time. I don't enjoy that, I don't like typing out all the hashtags and that kind of thing. Um, so if I tried to do a whole month in one go, I would just not do it. I would just give up. So for me, it works to just batch those on a Monday morning. I've already created everything that needs to go in there. So it's just literally plugging it into the scheduler on a Monday morning before I do anything else. And then I know my social media for the week is there and ready to go. It also reminds me what is going out because sometimes if you batch stuff monthly, you then forget about it. And that means that you're not really present on social media wanting to talk about that topic. So on a Monday morning, I put it all into my scheduler so I know exactly what's going out when. I know, I remind myself when I'm gonna do that live video that I'm planning. Um, and so it's all in the forefront of my mind so I can be there to chat to people about it on social media. And that's also when I will create any Instagram stories that I'm gonna use. So a lot of my stories I actually do do on the fly, um, but I'm not very good at creating Instagram stories which start conversation on the fly. I, I don't mind sharing like a snap of what I'm doing, uh, but I'm not very good at those ones which are almost like a, a little quiz for your audience. Um, just because I find it fiddly to do that on my phone. So I will try and create any of those I think are really important for that week. I will try and create those on a weekly basis. Um, and then I don't schedule them, I just save them in my phone and put them out on the day that 
it's relevant. So that brings me on to the stuff that I do daily. So daily for my social media, the only thing I'm doing is creating live videos. Um, so actually showing up live on the day that it's in my plan that I'm going to do that. Um, and stories. So stories are not something I've historically been very good at, but I am trying to get better because I do see the value in sort of letting your audience on social media see a little bit of your working life. For me, I'm never going to be sharing stuff like my breakfast, um, but I do think the stuff that you can share there that is relevant to your audience and will help them to connect with you and have conversation with you. So I'm trying to show up on stories a bit more, and that is something that I'll be doing on a, a daily basis rather than planning that too much into the future because that's just the nature of stories. People want to see what you're actually up to. Um, and I think it's a great place to be really current. So, you know, it might be that you've come across a book or a podcast that really inspired you that day. I think stories is a great place to share that in that moment where you've got that inspiration. Demonstrates your authority, helps out your audience and doesn't take too much thinking about. So I think that's a, a good way of using stories on a daily basis. So some top tips for batching is to be really intentional about numbers. So if you say, like maybe you're gonna follow a similar plan to me and you're gonna do your Instagram reels on a quarterly basis, know how many of those you wanna get done in that session. For me, it's 10 or 12, um, depending on how many ideas I've got. Um, but it, it has to be a set number, otherwise you'll never feel like you've achieved it and you won't ever tick it off your list. So dedicate a set period of time and tell yourself how many you want to get done in that time. For me, it's three hours and 12 reels. Um, make sure you're that clear with yourself. If you want to do something big, like you wanted to batch 12 podcasts, which is another thing that I do do, be realistic about how long that's going to take you. That is a lot of talking for you. It's also a lot of organisation to get your guests, um, if you're doing an interview show, into those batch slots. So what I tend to do is have three afternoons or three mornings where I say I'm going to batch all of my episodes rather than trying to do that all in one day. Um, so, you know, think about, be realistic about it. I don't think a batching session that lasts longer than three hours is usually possible for most of us. Um, but also it's about allowing yourself to do your best work. How many hours can you really podcast for before they start to sound a bit like you're phoning them in? So making sure that you're setting a realistic time frame, um, but being very clear about what you want to achieve in that time frame. My second tip is to tell everybody that you work with, like if you've got a VA, if you've got um, associates, anybody who works with you needs to know what you're batching when. So block it out on your calendar, make it really clear that you're not available for other stuff in that time and allow them to support you in any way that they can. So for example, my VA will make sure that my podcast interviews are in the right time slots. Whether we're using Calendly or whether she's doing it by hand, she'll make sure that those batching sessions are filled up for me with podcast interviews at the right time. It's just not something that I'm able to do myself. I haven't got time to do the back and forth of it. Um, but also I just suck and I will put people in at the wrong time. Um, so I get a lot of support from her to make those batching sessions work. Um, 
but also you know my community manager people who work with me in completely unrelated roles my podcast editor they all need to know when these things are taking place so that they can plan their diaries around it so if my my community manager for psychology business school knows that i'm batch recording loads of new content for the membership she knows she's going to have a load of uploading to do she's going to be needing to create promotional graphics around it it gives her a heads up so she can plan her time the same for my podcast editor what a nightmare it would be for her if i didn't tell her that i had a batching session coming up and she just ended up with 12 new podcasts to edit in her inbox and had no idea when I was planning to publish those she always knows when I'm going to record them and when I want them to be published so she can plan week by week when she is going to edit those it's only fair really um, but it also helps me to commit to it in my mind if I've told those people that's when I'm going to create that stuff I'm not going to let them down by not creating it so I think it's really helpful to tell other people when you're batching for for several reasons Another top tip is to batch templates. I know I've already mentioned it, but always when I talk about batching, people's minds go to stuff like social media graphics and podcast episodes, because those are the things which, you know, obviously lend themselves to being batched. But but another thing you should be batching is templates, emails that you don't like sending. (laughs) So, So template out stuff like reaching out to the media, um, reaching out to other podcast hosts, um, reaching reaching out to clients who might have inquired with you but not followed up. Any email that you feel a bit icky about sending, you should create templates for. And it's great to have a template batching session every year where you create new templates, you go back over your old templates, see if you still like them and have confidence in them, um, rejig them if you need to. But I would definitely batch that because we all put it off, we all procrastinate it. And I suppose that's another tip actually, batch the stuff that you procrastinate, batch the stuff you don't like doing, uh, and then you don't have to worry about it all year round. It's there for you when you need it. Okay, so I think that's probably enough on batching for now. I would love to know how you use it in your business. Remember, it's about tailoring it for your brain, the way that you like working. So don't just follow the plan that I've set out here. Think about what it makes sense for you to do annually, what it makes sense for you to do quarterly, and what it makes sense for you to do weekly and daily. Create that plan and stick to it, and you'll notice you've got a lot more time in your week for creativity. So I'd love to hear how you get on with batching. Please do let me know. I'm at Rosie Gilderthorpe on Instagram. So sprints. Sprints are another productivity technique, which you might not have come across unless you're a geek like me and you're into reading about entrepreneurship. So I came across this in The Lean Startup by Eric Rees, and then I followed up by reading Sprint by Jake Knapp. And I really recommend both of those books if you're really into productivity and you're thinking about expanding your business and maybe reaching out in that kind of do more than therapy space um, I do really recommend both of those books but essentially a sprint is when you and your team focus on just one problem for a set period of time and it is really important that you're starting with a problem so often people come to me and they'll say you know I I want to start a new Instagram account because I, you know, I, I want to bring more interest for my online course. Well, actually, that's already leapt to the solution. 
we need to take a step back from that and think about what's the outcome that you want to achieve and what are all the possible creative ways that you could solve that. And this is what you do in the first section of a sprint. So the first part of a sprint is identifying and defining the problem that you're trying to solve. So for example, I might be trying to solve the problem of people inquiring about my therapy services and then you know, not going through to having a free consultation with me. That's something I've noticed happening a lot more frequently recently in my practice that we get inquiries, but then they kind of don't go anywhere. And I think that's a problem because it it means that, you know, I'm potentially not working with people who would benefit from working with me. Um, but also maybe people aren't receiving the best customer service. Maybe they don't feel like we're following up with them well. I'm not sure yet. And so this would be a really good thing for me to do a sprint and focus some time on because I'm not sure what's going wrong in the pipeline. So rather than leaping to what I think might be the problem, I'm going to start with the overarching problem that I'm trying to solve, which is, you know, people um, effectively not getting back in touch after their initial therapy inquiry. Then I would think creatively about that problem with other people. So I might have a session with my admin assistant, um, with you know other people who I trust to talk about this issue, and think you know what what could be going on here, and what are all the possible points of contact that we could intervene to make a change in our process. So we might think about the emails that we send. We might think about uh, contact that we have on the phone. We might think about other channels um, that we could use to reach out to them. Some ideas might be crazy. You know, we might think, oh, we could set up a Facebook group. Like, no, that'd be a terrible idea. But it's worth kind of putting all ideas on the table at this stage and allowing your creativity to really flow around the ways that you could solve this problem and the reasons that this problem could have emerged. So ideally at this stage, you would go out and you would talk to your ideal clients, you would talk to you know, people who are different to you that, don't, that aren't gonna share your assumptions about this subject. Um, and who might have knowledge that you don't have about problems that might be coming up for them. So if you could talk to existing clients about, you know, how did you find that process? Were we the most supportive that we could be? And was there anything that was difficult for you about getting in touch with us and making that first inquiry? You might get answers that you weren't expecting. So this first stage is really about, you know, opening yourself up to hearing lots of different perspectives about the problem and then thinking as creatively as you possibly can about how you could solve that problem and potential solutions for it. Then you go through a process of picking out the acceptable solutions. So there might be two or three solutions that emerge from that creative thinking time that you think, actually, this has got some legs, this is acceptable, it could work, um, it's something which would be acceptable to my clients, it's acceptable to me, it fits with my values, but I just don't know which one is gonna be the most effective. And then you would run a test where you try out two or three ways of solving the problem and then you pick a winner to move forward with. Um, and then you would review that after three months or so. So it's a process that you follow, which can look really intense. So if you were a startup with a team 
and you were using this to solve a big problem. Like say, say I was setting up a new app to support people um, with pregnancy sickness. My overarching problem could be as big as people are struggling with sickness in pregnancy and they're not seeking mental health support. And you can see that would be big and that sprint would probably be three weeks long. Um, but for something like I've just described with you know, customer follow-up in my private practice, this could just be a, a sprint that takes place over a few hours every day for a week. But it's very focused and it's important that you dedicate time to it um, which is uninterrupted. So if I was going to do this, um, and I actually am doing this at the moment for transparency, <laughs> for one of the processes in my private practice, then it would be about saying, okay, I'm going to do a sprint on this. I want to deep dive on it. I'm going to set aside two hours every day for the next three weeks where I focus on this issue. So, you know, if, if a startup purist um, if, you know, Jake Knapp or Eric Rees was listening to this podcast, they would go, that's not a sprint. You have to all live together in a commune for at least a week where you turn off all your phones and you don't have any other distractions. Um, I'm going to suggest that none of those are mothers to three children under the age of five and that none of them are also running a therapy practice, <laughs> which you can't just take three weeks off from. Um, so I don't do it in the purest of forms, but I do dedicate two hours in my diary every day for a set period of time in order to solve this problem. And that means that I give it that focused attention that I can say, you know, I want to speak to other people in this time slot about this issue. And it gives it a pace. So I know that I am gonna be moving forward and that I will have picked a winner and know my strategy at least by the end of that time period. Um, and I think that's kind of weird. I don't see many other small business owners operating in that way, but it's something that I really took from the experience that I went through um, with the startup weekend um, that I did. I don't know if I've spoken about it on the podcast before, actually. So I took I took part in a Techstars um, startup weekend, which is like this intensive sprint thing um, in, in Plymouth a few years ago. And I actually won that with my team. Um, and we started the process of designing an app and getting that kind of startup company, that tech startup company, uh, off the ground. And I actually decided not to take that further after a few months of, of working on it. And I'll talk about that in another episode, I think, because that's kind of a big topic. Um, but it got me into this quite different way of thinking about business. And I had a lot of mentoring of people that had this completely different idea about what business is, what entrepreneurship is, and what we can achieve. Um, and I think this is one of the ways of working that I, I think is really useful and should be applied across all types of business because so often we're expecting ourselves to achieve great things because setting up a private practice is actually a really big endeavor it's a great thing um but we don't give ourselves the time or the kind of headspace to do it efficiently. We don't allow ourselves to spend two hours thinking about our processes. We kind of dive in and just expect ourselves to pick it up on the job. And that's an unreasonable expectation. 
If you want to run a practice that runs smoothly and efficiently and you want to do big things with it, you want to go outside of the therapy room and make more impact, you have to pay attention to your processes. You have to allow yourself time to get creative and do things differently. And that involves experimentation and practice and, you know, really planning things out. And that all takes time. And so I hope that these two things that we've talked about today, batching and sprinting, can help some of you to take that headspace and, you know, get that creativity flowing in your practice. I think it's compassionate, actually, to allow yourself to um, spend time batching and sprinting and rather than just expecting yourself to shoehorn it in in the evenings, maybe when the kids are in bed or when you've finished your NHS job, make time for it, put a framework around it, say I'm going to do a batch day or I'm going to do a sprint and give yourself a fighting chance of achieving it because that is how I managed to achieve more in a small amount of time than a lot of people think is possible. It is not because I work every hour of the day, I don't work late at night, I don't multitask, I'm not doing this stuff when my kids are playing around me. Um, I'm not that mean to myself, frankly. Um, I just have these techniques that I use to make the most out of the time that I do have. Um, So I hope that that's helpful. I'd really love to know how you get on with it, how you adapt it to make it work for you, um, because you should feel free to adapt these things and not just follow the methodology that I've suggested or that is suggested in these books, typically written by very privileged people. (laughs) Um, So please let me know how you adapt it. I'd love to to hear about it Um, and do kind of yeah, feel free to to run with it and make it work for you in your practice because you're doing amazing things. Make it as easy for yourself to do those amazing things as you can. Um, So I will leave it there for today. Come and chat to me over on Instagram at Rosie Gilderthorpe. Oh, and a, a bit of a plug, shameless plug. If you know anybody who is pregnant, do tell them about my new account um, at The Pregnancy Psychologist. I'd really appreciate it. There's helpful stuff in there for anybody who is pregnant because all pregnant people struggle with their well-being at some point. Um, So please, please, please do share that account. Thank you so much for listening to the Business of Psychology podcast. I'd really appreciate it if you could take the time to subscribe, rate and review the show. It helps more mental health professionals just like you to find us and it also means a lot to me personally when I read the reviews. Thank you in advance and we'll see you next week for another episode of Practical Strategy and Inspiration to move your independent practice forwards.